0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another Game of Thrones Tower of Babel Breakdown. As always, I'm Julian Mush. I'm joined by Daniel D'Souza. Hey. And uh, we're here to help you break down, take apart, unpack.
1: Dismantle.
0: Dismantle. Uh, The latest episode of uh, HBO's Game of Thrones, the TV series. We talk about it as a television show, not as a book. Uh, So we try to leave out any spoilers from uh, the books, anything that might be left um, as the show overlaps the books. Um, other than that, uh, we will get right into the show. Um, as we like to do, starting, I guess, mostly this season, we'll start with some feedback from last week. And uh, Philip Womfler on Twitter, uh, at Wompfler on Twitter, uh, and you can write into Twitter uh, as well, to our Twitter, at TowerBabbleCast, uh, B-A-B-B-L-E. And uh, they ask, what do you think about the way theories, and this I started with this one because I think it's a really great question. Yeah. So great question there, Philip. What do you think about the way theories, so like other random like crackpot theories that people have on Reddit or whatever, um, influence uh, the watching experience? Um, so, I mean, obviously there's book theories, right, that people from the books have had yeah. for years. And then there's the, the show watcher theories, which are I th- seem to be even crazier in my opinion. They seem to be just off of... Completely out of left field most of the time.
1: And um, Dan, do you want to tackle this one first? I it's hard to say. I think for the first, first I guess, five seasons, I kind of avoided most theories. I had, like, you know, my own from the books or whatever. But we it was very much, it was more amateur. And then this season, not taking it more seriously, but I've been really getting into it a bit more. And of i like, watching YouTube videos and whatever. And then, I don't know if it negatively impacts how I watch the show. But, like, <clears throat> I guess I might take things the wrong way now. Or am I like look into things from a certain perspective too deeply?
0: It colors it. It no matter what any information you have going yes. in, even if it's the previously on, like before they play on Game of Thrones, like what happened last week, you know, mm-hmm. or um, some little some little thing you might have heard over overheard someone say uh, at the bar the other day or whatever, can influence how you watch the show. I mean, it's impossible to go into it completely. You know, we live. You wouldn't live in a vacuum, right? Like, yeah. If you just stayed in your house, turn off all your internet, and then on Sunday nights, you know, came and watched Game of Thrones, that would be the most pure way to watch it. You know, you know. Which,
1: I mean, this is completely a side note, but Martin, when he's writing the books, he writes on a computer that has no internet, and he tries. He, I don't think he watches the show, and, and he avoids all these kind of theories and stuff like that. I mean, say,
0: and I he's think written for the, the show, so he has to be
1: able to watch it, actually.
0: It's one of those things where I think it's different when you're the creator, no, I know, but I'm just
1: saying it must be even harder. Like, for, it's hard for us, you know, to talk about the show without thinking about these theories, or without, for me to talk about without thinking about what happens in the book, and I try to separate that. It must be so much more difficult for him to try to write and create the rest of the story with all this other stuff in the background, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: But like, but again, that's the that's the creator perspective. Like, as yeah. a show yeah. watcher perspective, I think I think the only thing that you can do as a, as a watcher is try to take it take what the show is giving you at face value. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then try to, without, before, I say, I like to do this before, and this is what I do with, with our show, is before I record this, I don't listen to any other game, because I listen to a few other Game of Thrones podcasts or whatever, I like, it's fun, it's exciting. Obviously, I do it for, we do this for a reason, it's fun. So I listen to other ones that I like a lot, and but I never do any of those until we've recorded ours, because I don't want to yeah. color any of my perspectives, right? And so I would say the same thing with watching the show, so go into your... Understand what information has come from outside, whether it's Reddit and all the crazy stuff that goes on in there. And watch the show and then say, okay, sit down maybe even just half an hour after and say, okay, what did the show tell me? What did the sh- only the show give me? Try to separate that from what you have, the outside influences, and try to come to um, the simplest. It's because it's usually the answer is usually the simplest, um, generally. Well,
1: especially with the way the show has been run lately.
0: <laughs> What's the most you know, the straight line between, you know, point A and point B, if you, if you, if thinking ahead and trying to decide what's happening next is like, that's fun for you. And you want to theorize about what's, you know, where the hound is going or whatever. And that, you know, as like, as most people like to do, I would say do that first and then compare and contrast that with what other people are saying online. And then be critical of what those, those theories are, because they're usually so far away from what actually is happening that you, it, it, if you spend so much time watching during the show, trying to think about that stuff, you're gonna miss things, or um, it's gonna you're gonna be disappointed because maybe you thought, oh, that's a really cool theory, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna be disappointed that that's not what happens. You know, so that's what I think on that. You know, not, not that you, I don't know if you're asking for advice, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, was, that's what I was. That's how I approached it. Um, and then John Bennett, friend of the show, on Twitter also uh, asks, uh, since the Hound has joined the Brotherhood. So we're obviously talking about this week's episode, so we spoil everything through Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 8, and we're talking about No One, Season 6, Episode 8 this week. And, uh, since the Hound has joined the Brotherhood, you think they'll play a bigger role in the show? I'm confused on what their goal is, and then he's also wondering if y'all think, he said y'all, so I figured I would <laughs> if y'all think Davos will survive next episode, he's one of my favorites. If not, hopefully they at least win. Um... <laughs> And this is and this is kind of now we're into the theorizing part. Okay, so the hound seems to have kind of teamed up with the Brotherhood to some degree. I mean, yeah, it's it's
1: unclear whether or not he's joining them, but where else is he going to go?
0: Right, and then they mentioned, and then I mentioned, I I replied to him on Twitter. I said they mentioned in that in the episode they said, um, the winds are blowing in the north. The cold
1: winds are yeah yeah that, so, that's where the true enemy is.
0: I imagine that's where they're heading next maybe um i know for those people hoping for the clegane bowl that's like that was another big long theory dashed this week i think mm-hmm. um in another scene but i mean that can still happen I just i don't think it's going to be in that that and and i never thought that that was going to be how it was going to play out i imagine the bro- like the brothers clegane will meet up at some point i just don't think that was how it was going to be in some sort of like mm-hmm. uh the trial by combat yeah contrived way though you know what i mean um as for whether or not we think Davos will survive next week, I hope so. I like Davos. I love Davos. I need him to survive. <laughs> um, although at the same time, you're going into what they call the biggest conflict we've seen on Game of Thrones. Uh, that's HBO is what they're calling it in uh, next week's episode, uh, the Battle of the uh, Battle Bastards. of the Bastards. And uh, so there has to be consequences. Someone's going to die. Hopefully, it's Ramsay. But mm-hmm. I imagine there's going to be we're going to lose someone on the good side too. Um, I did watch and the preview for next week. It looks pretty crazy. Uh, I have. I yelled. don't know who. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna bite the dust. I just. I hope it's not Davos. You know. So. But at yeah. the same time, I
1: don't know what Davos's role really is anymore. Do you think he's 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 prime? He may have like outlived his purpose, sort of thing.
0: He's been he's being put up. Maybe 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 that's like a straw man tactic. Like he's the most likely to go. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be more like someone else just randomly. Um, you think maybe like uh Tormund might
1: oh no it's possible
0: i think okay, I, I haven't even thought about I any think, of this i think the wildlings might meet an untimely or take a pretty big blow uh um, mm-hmm. this week or next week sorry but uh, we don't want we can speculate on that at the end of the show uh and then samantha shelton also again on twitter called us out uh for last week when we were talking about the great scene at the with the late with lady mormont at, on bear yeah, island. like 11 year yeah on bear island like <coughs> 11 year old girl and mm-hmm. we didn't call out bella ramsey who's the actress who played her for i think for doing an amazing job um and so she said no mention of amazing acting performance by bella ramsey for shame other than that great show as usual so
1: she was right you're 100 <laughs> right yep <laughs> she was she was uh a perfect little uh feisty uh liana and i saw i've seen a bunch of memes re- recently about how she's like in one episode in that like little like five minute uh clip or whatever she's already a better leader than Daenerys yeah, I no, really appreciate like, if that if she had dragons <laughs> this
0: whole the, the this story would be over already yeah um so a couple more here Cameron Martinez another friend of the show on Twitter asks um he goes on a little rant a little Twitter rant and I, I engage engaged him on it it went on for a little while but I'll just read the beginning part of it so uh, so complaining that too many people are coming back from the dead when literally two people have for one, uh, only one this season. Uh, we didn't see the hound die. Uh, so really no reason to get angry about him, quote unquote, coming back other than the fact of going against the general consensus. And um, then he goes on to a bunch of uh, hashtags, um, one of them being unwarranted criticism, which and then I ta- we talked about this on Twitter. I still stand by my comment that death has been cheapened on the show, regardless of whether it's been one or two. Two is a pretty big amount of people to come back from the dead, considering in the, our real world, no one gets to do that, right? Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, absolutely right that the Hound was never... We never knew for sure he was dead, but, like, he... W- we hadn't seen it for two seasons. He was, in all intents and purposes, dead. Like, that's the... This is This is television, and that's, like, the general way that people come back quote unquote from the dead is that they never died most of the mm-hmm. time but like you're like well most people would have died from that you know and they talk about it last week but I stand by my opinion on that um and we agree that I'm, you know we can have differing opinions agree but to disagree. do you do you think that te- death has been cheapened at all
1: I, I like again. I don't want to get too deep into this because we talked about it last episode. But what I said, I, it was death is cheapened by the stuff that's happened earlier in this season. I think the thing with the Hound is actually was that pretty well. Um, like it was, it was pretty thought out, and the fact that he died what two or three seasons ago, whatever it was, right?
0: Yeah. So it's kind of it was <clears throat> It's much, it's expecting. much
1: less cheap that way. But you, it's cheap when John dies at the end of one season, and then is brought back right away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When there's less of of a, a time period in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the stuff with like with Doran and Aria Hota just randomly dying because there was basically no room in the budget for them anymore. Like that's <laughs> what cheapens them for me.
0: I think that was more like they heard the criticisms from people saying that everything that was in Doran was stupid and terrible last season, and that they're happy to see. it Yeah, gone. but that's because they
1: didn't put any time or effort into it. Like it, it's all the same thing.
0: Oh, I agree with you. Um, okay, so I think Dan, you do want to cover these. This is your very expertise. Okay, so uh, Hannah Oliver wrote into the website, and you can do the same thing. You can go to our website, TowerOfBabblePodcast.com, and uh, there's a Contact Us button up on the top right, and you can send us a message on there, or you can write into an email us at TowerOfBabblePodcast at gmail.com. So, Dan, um, this one's from Hannah Oliver, and she was um, writing in about a theory that some people had um, that, again was dashed this week so i just wanted to mention a couple of fact that some theories were unfortunately um before they could even really get going were kind of cut down at the knees uh hi guys new listener here found you guys after i couldn't stand my previous game of thrones podcast hope (laughs) um, i hope that you're not super fickle there hannah like you'll be like you'll like us for like a couple weeks and be like ugh, i'm done with these guys and move on to the next one uh hope you stick around i've really enjoyed you guys so far just read the uh, this theory on reddit and we were just talking about reddit I had that uh, thought that it was actually a test of the waif, um, and she's talking about uh, Arya being stabbed last week, mm-hmm. uh, but hadn't considered Lady Crane as being um, a faceless man. Uh, you guys have uh, probably read it, uh, but link. She gives us the
1: link to the the, the, yeah. the Reddit theory. So I, I did. I went ahead and read it. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, I guess the theory is derived from the fact that Lady Crane is just a badass actress and. <laughs> It, and, and to a certain degree, it's right, and she's right that it, the wave was also being tested. Yeah, so like absolutely. that. That that was we we resolved that this week. So it was sort of Arya versus the wave, and the wave lost. So that that part of the theory is correct. I don't know. It's just like the way that Arya was stabbed last episode feel, felt again cheap and kind of like out of nowhere for a lot well, of people, the and they was- thought that Arya should have had her guard up and she should have you know like she had a plan. Right. So people were kind of like like grasping at straws for a reason as to how. Um, Arya had really outsmarted the wave, or outsmarted the house in black and white, or whatever it was.
0: Yeah. Well, but if, again, it's much sh- more straightforward than if that if the show hadn't set up the situation where Arya is going for a stroll, flashing her, like making it rain, you know, in the streets, and like staring like longingly off into the sunset, and it's like which is mm-hmm. completely a out of character and b just not strategically um, smart at all, mm-hmm. you know. And the, if that hadn't happened, no one would have these theories would be nowhere, you know. This w- if she was just, if we went into her being hunted right away, like by the, by the waif and her yeah. like having to hide from her or whatever, that's cool. And that would have been like, okay, that's obviously Arya. There's no confusion about that. If she did get stabbed, let's say we cut to Aria and she's just on the run already. Right. And cause I could buy into that. Right. We already knew the situation she was in. We found out that she's on the run and she's being chased by the waif. We cut back and forth to her a couple times in the episode, and then at the end, she gets a you know surprised by her and then stabbed, jumps in the river. Then it ends the same way, but there's no confusion about why mm-hmm. was she acting so strangely. Uh, and I guess
1: it. yeah, the takeaway is like he just thought that she she thought must have thought that she had more time. Like presumably she went straight away after that uh, encounter that, with Lady Crane to do whatever she right. was doing.
0: And that's one of those problems with uh, with Game of Thrones sometimes, is where the timeline is hard to follow we're like mm-hmm. okay how long would if that ap- happened at the end of last episode if it doesn't pick up the moment that scene ended in the next episode how long how much time has passed in between right we have no way of knowing it's really hard to tell there's no like there's a clock or a date on the somewhere yeah, on a wall uh, it's like okay so st- Arya was stabbed and then she was uh, patched up by Lady Crane this week right mm-hmm. um, how long passes between when she goes to Lady Crane and when uh, the wave finds her at the house. That could be maybe it was a week, maybe it was two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just no way to know, right? So you always then all of a sudden you have people coming out of the woodwork saying, Oh, how is she able to make these crazy leaps and running around with a patched up stomach, right? And fair, I think. But it could be it could have been that she's been healing for she's been healing for a month
1: already. I mean, there's no way to know. Well, no, it it wasn't fully healed. Like I would just say within a week, if if not a couple of days, because it opened up while she was running and she was bleeding all over the place. Mm so um, but again it's just one of those yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean it's hard to keep track
0: anyway last one and Dan I think I'll let you just you can do the whole thing <clears> the <throat> whole one I'm not going to read this whole thing but you don't have to read it you can recap it
1: uh, so an uh, email from a, a new fan of the show also new this season uh, Josephine Sedegren, and they said basically that they watched the show with a friend uh, they both really enjoy watching the show, but they have a, this point of contention where the friend loves Cersei and thinks Cersei is just a badass character, and <laughs> any, you know, rational minded person thinks otherwise. So, this person emailed in and wanted us to, you know, give us, uh, like, a short list of why is just a piece of shit, and I had a lot of fun with this.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't have my, my response up, but like, just, it, I you know, paraphrasing, but it was basically like Cersei's a sociopathic, vain, uh, just arrogant, selfish person that doesn't hesitate to sacrifice anybody around her other than her family members right so like in that sense she's kind of redeemable that she cares about her family but everything else she does is shitty right so it's like terrible
0: you have to consider also that she does care about her family but she goes about things all the wrong way right like how many acts of violence have been committed out of love in the world a million of them right
1: and then even if you can respect all that because she's doing it for her son or for her children like as much as it's you know like a a shitty way to do it she's doing it for a somewhat noble reason she's doing it wrong she screwed up in king's landing and she let the high the high sparrow have all this power and that ended up biting her in the ass it's just short sighted I mean, you know it's, so it's, she's bad on both counts
0: right i mean she's not and you know it's like okay well she would do anything for her children but then she let this psychopathic son in joffrey and wasn't able to rein him in right um which is partly her fault she and she's like yeah you love your kids but you also need to
1: Raised them. Well, oh, yeah, here, I should have right? said that for sure. Like, the, part of Joffrey being a monster, part of the blame has to go on her, the parents. And you know, Robert was sort of an absentee father, yeah. and Cersei was you know the doting mother. So a lot of that is her fault. Because Joffrey, at the end of the day, was just a kid. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like you could say that Tommen, even though he's not nearly as uh, you know psychopathic as Joffrey was, is also ineffectual as a as a king because in the opposite way like he's just
1: been sheltered and he's he's too scared to make a decision you know he doesn't know who or he can't trust himself so he just trusts whoever uh around him that speaks with authority
0: I agree I think that's uh a a valid response uh Josephine if you if you like that if that if that helps if you can play that for your your friend (laughs) and convince her that she may be wrong in this circumstance and then I mean it's good to have strong female characters. I just, you know, we would hope them to be on the side of good more often than than.
1: Um... Well, I mean, yeah, there's a difference between being strong and headstrong, right? Like, right.
0: Um, and that's and she wrote in from Sweden, by the way, and she said she was apologizing for her poor English, and I would say that your English is pretty good and better than most people who write in are from that are from uh, English-speaking countries. So, uh, good job. And uh, at that, on, on that note, I think we should get into the recap. And yeah. uh, we will start, uh, let's just start with the Arya stuff. We'll go through it all because we've already kind of touched on a few of the things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll start in Bravos, And uh, we open with the Lady Crane, uh, bringing the, th- like, she's, th- we're going to start with, again, the theater uh, scene. gotta probably be, like the fourth one we've seen now. Um, and this time she's she's literally bringing audiences to tears as we watch her rendition of uh, Cersei and she holds like a dead, a dead Joffrey. Yeah, she took
1: Arya's notes and made it a bit more angry at the end. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and then that's followed by a nice tracking shot as she moves from the back, like from the from the front to the backstage, and finds Arya collapsed and basically near death uh, at that point. And uh, so we learn Lady Crane patches her up, and we learn that she has some anger, jealousy issues, and that's why she knows how to do that. Kind of a kind of a fun little scene, and uh, we leave her as Arya is given some milk of the poppy, which is the Game of Thrones version of opium, uh, essentially. Wow.
1: I mean, I, yeah. I guess the Game of Thrones version of morphine.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But opium came first. They're
1: they're both opiates.
0: Yeah. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's not like let's not uh, split hairs here, Dan. Later on, so we we go through other parts of the the episode. We come back and later on, we don't know how again we talk, but we don't know how much time has passed. We presume maybe a week, whatever. Okay. Uh, the waif was able to track her down, and brutally murders. Lady Crane with a stool. And I would say I'm sure the Waif would be good at the who is the better killer game uh, that Vin Diesel likes to play from Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, I mean of course he uses the teacup in that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Go like for the sweet stool, spot I mean, like Third a, stool is a down. pretty good one. <laughs> and uh, and you know speaking of like we're just gonna keep making um, allusions to other movies with with this stuff, I'm gonna say that this whole uh, waif aria chase scene is basically terminator two uh she's basically the t1000 down to the ability to change her face (laughs) um which is impressive like even like the the score which is like progressively picking up has just it's you know it works really well like i had someone say like how is she continuing to catch up to aria even though she's like basically walking and aria's like sprinting down the road i'm like well you're thinking about it too much it's tension. It's cool. It's exciting that way. And go watch Terminator Two.
1: Yeah, <laughs> much more intimidating that this way. When she looks back and is just walking, right, un- that, unstoppable thing.
0: And that grin she has on her face too the whole time is just. Ugh. Um, so it's a pretty cool chase scene. She leaps out the window. So Arya like leaps out the window of the of Lady Crane's house and superhero landing basically. Mm-hmm. And does some cool moves like slides underneath a, uh, and the whole time she slid underneath that like cart thing i was thinking man that's got to hurt your stomach like because she's like slid on her stomach downstairs <laughs> and so we finally get to this part where she leaps off which is actually in the trailer for this for the season leaps off this thing lands on another set of stairs and rolls down for what seems like forever over a bunch of things opens up her wound and um what we think is her like like this is going to be like it's not going to end well for Arya, but it's actually she's leading. She's leaving these trails of blood behind and is leading the waif into a trap. Right, And this, what comes next, is what I predicted would happen last week, was that she would be in this dark room with her sword and would lead the waif in there into the darkness because she's been training as a blind person all season. So that pays off, thankfully. And so she cuts the candle everything goes dark, right? And we've, we don't see it. That's the, the, the criticism from this week is that we don't see I think it's better this way. It, it, I you don't need
1: to see this little action scene. Also, you've seen them fighting so much this season. <laughs> it's cooler this way.
0: I mean, at the same time, it would have been like a lot, really satisfying because we've seen her get beat up by the Wayfall season. To see her actually commit the act and do it, that would have had a, some, a level of satisfaction, you know? Uh, at the same time, it's in a pitch, back, pitch black room, so how do you want to how do you want to okay. do that and make it look good? Still, you know, and you don't want to do that like uh, like night vision style look because like there's no such thing as night vision in Game of Thrones, <laughs> right? So I'm fine with that one. I'm a little less fine with the one that comes later, but we'll yes or earlier, I guess technically in the episode, but you know what I mean. Um, she then, I guess, in a really brutal way, cuts off <laughs> cuts off the wave's face. And hangs it in the hall of faces, uh, again leaving a trail of blood. This time for the faceless man to find, and then they have a nice little conf- confrontation. And man, the faceless man, his rules are so complicated and so conv- like there's just no, there's no way to know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Doesn't with this make guy, a lot of sense, right? Like you're like, oh no, he's happy about this. Like this this outcome is fine with him. He's like, oh well, you know, she obviously failed, so you win, I guess. And you know one's like, now you're nobody. And then she has that sweet uh like drop the mic line basically where she says so finally a girl is no one jack and nagar says and sharia says a girl is Arya stark of winterfell and i'm going home which is pretty sweet which is basically what people have wanted waiting, her to say you know oh, for, for a so couple long. years uh whatever um, it is do you think this is the last we'll see of Arya for this
1: the season because i think that'd be a cool way for her to go out uh it would be but it's just too uh, like there's two whole episodes left but i guess there's a there's a plenty of other storylines that need to be tied up i'd be perfectly fine with this being the end of Arya yeah, for this i
0: season. i agree i think it would actually almost be like there's no way to go what could you possibly do with aria at this point in this season that would top that and make it an exciting like finale to her like season arc other mm-hmm. than what we just saw i mean you don't want to have her leaving off on a boat like we had at the end of season four again right like that's like We've seen that already. So I'm fine. Let's just leave Arya now. We have so many more things to touch talk, talk about. I imagine we're not gonna even see very much else of like the King's Landing stuff and all that yeah. kind of thing next And next week, episode
1: is gonna be pretty focused on that big battle, right? right? So
0: So again I'm fine with that. I mean, we'll see. Maybe if they come up with something interesting, I'll be okay with that. With you know, whatever they want to ah. do, but again, I'll be fine. Um What are the I mean we kinda know where she's going here. That's why I mean like kinda if we wrap it up here, it's okay because we already, we, she says it, like, she literally says it out loud, you know, she's going home, right? So she know we know where she's going. She's going to Westeros.
1: We don't know how we she's going to We know her get there,
0: intent. Yeah. yeah. We Anything don't know how she's going to get there. Probably, you know, by some boat again, but maybe she'll get, maybe she'll get caught up with what's happening with uh, Theon and them. Who knows, right? They're in the same general
1: vicinity. Wow. Same the rules about that are also pretty, <laughs> pretty loose, so... <laughs> I would uh, say Arya is closer to the north and everything that's happening there than she is to Volantis or anything that's happening with Theon.
0: Yeah, but like, kind of right. Not. It's hard to say with this show, really. Mm. Um, anything else you want to mention about Arya or anything that happened there? No, I'm,
1: I'm yeah happy that this all worked, uh, worked out. We already talked about those theories. There's a million like there. There. I saw a theory that was alluded to that. Uh, that the person that was stabbed last week was actually Jack and Hagar right. in a face, like, faceless man disguise that was testing the waif. How, it's, like, I mean, you come can on, get guys. So
0: complicated with this
1: stuff, yeah. right? It's like, well, they don't want to see Arya
0: stabbed, so they'll think up of anything they can. Like, okay, yeah. well, it's actually the faceless man testing the waif by being... Because she said not to let her suffer, right? <clears> and, like, that was supposed to be, like, the test. Like, so you mm. to kill her without letting her suffer. But then, so she goes and is clearly getting pleasure out of murdering her, right? Um, like, that... For whatever reason, we ne- we never really learn why, but the waif hates Arya, hates her. And she finally gets the chance to kill her. Like, she's been waiting for so long, right? And, like, that's also against their whole thing. So people are willing to, be, like, accept basically anything. Yeah. And with this ability to change faces, anyone could be anyone. So. I can see where it
1: comes from. I thought Lady Kramer was much more interesting, though. But Yeah. Either way, this show is much more, like we said before, streamlined and a little bit more straightforward than that.
0: We never really got the impression that, like, a girl could be, like, could disguise themselves as a guy or a guy could disguise themselves. It just seemed like it was gender specific. Like, if you're Jack and Agar, you're going to be put on dude faces. Probably. I mean, I'm sure
1: it's just easier that way. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, so let's move on. Again, I like to like we like to generally cover all the stories, like the plot lines at the same time instead of jumping back and forth. I think it just makes for more concise conversation. Um, in the Riverlands, the Hound is on the rampage. Uh, this is a pretty brutal scene. This like mm. the one where they cut to here. Uh, I was watching it with my mom and my and my brother, and my mom literally looked away like she couldn't. I was like, I had to tell her when it was <laughs> over. Uh,
1: it doesn't surprise me.
0: Of course, the Hound always got a really good uh, gets a really good one liner. You know, like, you suck at dying or whatever. Something along those lines. What does he say? Do you remember? Yeah, he says,
1: you're shit at dying. Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) And just destroys these guys with an axe, you know. And ever since I watched Abraham Lincoln, the Vampire Hunter, I've always thought that uh, an axe is a pretty sweet weapon and is underused. On the other hand, it gets caught in things really easily. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem.
1: And it has a really long... Uh, half right, like swords just make so much more sense.
0: Right, it's got. A, I mean, yeah, they they really do. But I mean, if you're trying to be badass, like the axe works mm-hmm. pretty good. Um. So later, I mean, we cut to the next scene with him, and he's he's hunting these three dudes that killed his new friends, right? And they he finds them, and they're all on it. They're all in nooses, um, on a road somewhere. And we come across. Uh Dondarrion. We haven't seen him for like three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh he's looking almost exactly the same with his one eye and um this these three people that murdered all their his friends were apparently like a splinter group of the Brotherhood. Like they were they were breaking their own they were breaking their rules, right? So yeah, I mean, they, they were they were
1: hungry, whatever, but that wasn't yeah. allowed by the rest of the Brotherhood.
0: So they're being punished. And then we really have a fun scene about them arguing about who gets to kill who, even though they're all getting all just gonna be hung anyway <laughs> um and so that's you know we get a little little justice a uh, little vengeance there for you know the nice people that were murdered you know the hound seems a lot more subdued in a lot of ways even though he was a bit on a rampage this week um the way he was even later on when he's talking with beric and all them he seems less angry more
1: Thoughtful. yeah well i'm pretty sure he says it like in the scenes like there was a time when i would have just killed you all and done it anyways
0: yeah you know uh, and then i mean he's still he's still the hound right he's like you know like oh you know the 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 lord of light let me kill you allowed me love you to kill me for uh for some reason he's like well uh actually i think he i just killed you because i'm better than you <laughs> and i've always been better than you uh anyway so they the Brotherhood tries to recruit him basically essentially and they do to some degree and then we talked about this already that we think they're Probably heading north. I don't know yeah. what their numbers are and, and what the kind of difference they make, uh, and what that what kind of conflict that's going to bring, or or who they're going to run into. It's really hard to say because I don't. We don't really know much about them at this
1: point. It's been three seasons. Yeah, crazy. I don't. I mean, like, <clears throat> it's safe to assume that they're the reason they're going to be heading north is because Thoros has seen something in his fires, right? Yeah, Thoros Mir. So I, you know, them meeting up with Melisandre would be cool. Also, I just realized this now, but they're in. The last time we saw the Brotherhood, when Genji was with them, and Melisandre saw Arya, and she like looked into her eyes and she saw like a great darkness or whatever there. That mm-hmm. and she said, "We'll meet again." So that would be cool if Arya was able to come back probably, again, probably next season. But they could all those people meet up.
0: Yeah, but I mean, again, we don't—we barely even know the Brotherhood people.
1: Do we care what happens to them? Like, not necessarily. I mean, it's—I think at this point, everybody cares more about the Hound than anybody else there, right? Right. So, but I mean, uh, that's interesting. Every little bit helps but, up in the north.
0: But how much do we even care about the Hound? Because we cared about the Hound because he was taking care of Arya, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's... Now why do we care? We care about him because we got to know him. We like him now, right? Okay, cool. He His new purpose is uh, convoluted at best, right? It's kind of murky. Who knows? Um, so I'm just interested because I have no idea where this goes other than that mm-hmm. they're going north, you know? Okay, so King's Landing. Cersei has been summoned to the Sept of the High Sparrow, uh, and this is after we were under the impression, and apparently so, she, so was she, that she was being kept within the Red Keep and that she wasn't allowed to leave. Mm. Um, and so she refuses to leave, and Lancel uh, comes over with his uh, little group of uh, faith militants. They got the they got these like weird act like pointed axe things. Cudgels.
1: What? They are called cudgels.
0: I feel like they're ineffective (laughs) weapons I've talked about things getting stuck in things like Eh. I don't know how you would be able to use it more than once like it's like a one and done kind of weapon you know and uh, so she refuses to leave Uh, we get that really awesome line that we've been waiting for since the trailer again uh,
1: that she's like I choose violence right and he really wanted that line to like yeah it's cool to it's incite badass. more violence though like yeah. <laughs> not that this wasn't cool but like I thought that he would actually fight all of them not just fight one and be done with it you know <laughs> I thought it's, it cool. it's not a waste of the line but it's just like th- th- having it in the trailer really built it up in my mind you know mm-hmm. I thought it would lead it to something really cool <laughs> to be fair the violence was pretty brutal It was pretty cool so yeah, yeah. You know. I mean so
0: he ripped off another head he's used He he does that a lot uh, apparently and, uh, so he kills that one, Faith Milton, and smartly, Lancel retreats. Uh, there's obviously going to be some kind of repercussion there, we don't know yet. Uh, probably having something to do with her, her upcoming trial. So we're going to get to there. So later, mm-hmm. in the throne room, we learn that Tom is going to make some kind of royal decree. Uh, so we see the throne room, it's like full of people. You haven't seen the throne room that full of people since probably, uh, Tyrion's, Tyrion's trial in the throne room. And, uh... You know, and again, this is a side note, but remember those like intimate two-hander scenes with Varys and Littlefinger in season one. Stop using that term. Two-hander. It's called. That's what it's called. Hate it. Well, too bad. I know what you're talking about. Yes, but okay, we'll get over it. (laughs) Um, I miss those. You know, (laughs) that's all I'm saying. Um, So Cersei tries to go stand next to her son, as she always has done, as the queen regent, but her uncle Kevin. Tells her that she has to go stand in the gallery with the other ladies of the court. And another quick side note, uh Cersei's uncle, Kevin, seems to be doing a actually pretty decent job as hand of the king, all things considered. Considering the mess he was given when he, you know, was appointed. Oh, he's
1: really starting to smooth things over. He's very he's a capable ruler. Like all he needs is Cersei to be out of the way and like they can calm everything down.
0: Right. I mean, the way they're going like again, he was put More in a less. crappy situation with like the whole uh, you know Faith militant situation, which is got way out of hand, right? But But I
1: think he's more willing to work with them and also work with the Tyrells for the common good. Obviously. It just seems
0: like he's the most effective since maybe Tyrion was as Hand of the King. Um, But he didn't have any, he couldn't command any respect, so it didn't really it was difficult, right?
1: Yeah, well, probably Tywin, but
0: yeah. I mean, even, but even Tywin, but he was doing stuff that was kind of more underhanded, more, uh, like schemy. you know, mm-hmm. even Hugh had his own, his own schemes. He was out there, he was just protecting the Lannister name, you know, where where Kevin seems like more, he's like, well, he's just back. He's just backing the whole, the King situation, which mm-hmm. is a part of his family, but you know what I mean? Um, so Cersei and Loras <coughs> learn in this world, the crease, Cersei and Loras are both, uh, we got a date for their trial. Uh, the first day of the festival of the mother at the Sept of Baylor. that actually means nothing, but it really—we know no, what it's going to be. The, yeah,
1: that—that that means Episode Ten.
0: Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just assume that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, because it's not like it's called Festival of the Mother or anything. I think Episode Ten is called Winds of Winter. Actually, is it? Uh, oh shit. Oh shit. So, we—I guess the most important thing is that we learn that it's at the Sept of Baylor, right? So that's important. Um. And then, more importantly, Tommen, who is clearly shaken by this whole decision, uh, decides to ban Trial by Combat across the Seven Kingdoms. And to be fair, the Trial by Combat thing is pretty stupid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Right? It's like a Hail Mary just... And and not only that, but it's kind of overused. Like, it gets to the point in the show and in the books where it's like, come on, if you're going to do this every time, what's the point? (laughs) Right. You know, like,
0: like... So... And I guess he kind of
1: came... But it makes for his, great drama. That's, right. I'll say that.
0: I mean, it's just a loophole that's just way too easy to exploit, mm. right? And he says as much. And so instead, he's, she's they'll stand on trial in front of seven septons, which is like grand jury style, but I imagine much more um, biased <laughs> if mean, in their decision making. And, in theory,
1: they're impartial, but yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Right. And uh, I mean... Shout out to Lena Hetty, who actually does a really great uh, job acting without saying a single word during that scene uh, until later, of course. But you could just see on her face like just like the... like, she, like
1: She's shocked but she's got to contain it sort of yeah, thing. But well, this is just good. completely out of nowhere.
0: And this, I think this might be the second time we've actually called out Lena Hetty for doing a great job of well, She's always been great. Yeah, for sure. Without even speaking. So, um, And even the actor who plays young, Tommen does a fairly good job and uh so finally we leave off with kyburn coming up and saying that uh there is they talk about investigating some
1: rumor that cersei had him look into it's and like a complete like really vague yeah you know purposefully vague scene but i, I you can understand why it, i mean they're in the middle of the showroom so they have to keep it quiet but it's right. just kind of annoying
0: it's weird that like if you're going to do that like you would want to set that up earlier right like yeah. what was the so, rumor so i, I looked into that
1: thing oh the thing is ready yeah that thing is all good <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then and so basically said like oh yeah it's not just a rumor and there, it's it's more than what we thought so i did a little bit of research on this um a little reading that, oh you did yeah um <coughs> so we don't always talk about theories and we talk about some of the theories being off of you know being way out of left field i think this one's fairly uh, a pretty good one and even if it's untrue i think it's fun to discuss um we don't know what they're talking about here, obviously, but there's a few uh, few theories. Um, like I said, I did some digging. And the most interesting of theories I read was that it had to do with a secret stash of wildfire that's been kept under the castle in secret um, hmm. from way back with the Mad King heiress. So the theory holds that the Mad King, who planned on using wildfire to essentially burn down the whole city, um, had pla- placed stashes of the stuff all over King's Landing, including underneath the Sept of Baelor.
1: Kind of makes sense, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's only... why they did that whole burn them all thing earlier, right? So, you... when Bran had that flashback, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. you're jumping ahead of me here. Right. <laughs> the only people who know about the plan who knew about that plan at the time were Eris, um, and his hand of the king who was murdered for finding out about it, and the pyromancer he had making all the wildfire, and finally, Jamie who um killed him before he could actually imp- like implement the plan, right. Um, Jamie never told anyone. He didn't even tell Cersei. Uh, he did tell Brienne. Um, but even then the rumors of, of what he had planned were out there. Obviously. A the theory is backed up by Bran's vision. Like you talked about, which shows wildfire being poured down a drain or something, uh, possibly a glimpse of the future. So everyone assumed this was all stuff from the past that vision had, but, uh, there's a possibility that there's actually uh, a look at what's to come in that same vision. And, uh, Cersei's or her ace in the hole being using that wildfire to maybe take out all of the faith militants and one fell swoop on the other hand you got to think about like the collateral damage of that and you know like Tommen could get killed in that uh, you know well, the Horus whole city and, could go up yeah right so but you know her she's reckless right the sense it seems like it seems plausible in a lot of ways and kyburn has been
1: um, and she's pretty much out of option she's been backed into a corner so she's gonna get desperate
0: it's one of those situations like how do you pull it off you know if 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 it's a big of an ex- as big of an explosion as we saw maybe in season what season was that season two season blackwater b- yeah, yeah two then uh you'd imagine you wouldn't want to be anywhere near that when that happened but if you're being standing on trial at the Sept of Baylor, you imagine you'd be in the line of fire as it were right so if that is what's happening I, i'm excited to see how it's implemented eh, at least
1: you know? interesting I don't know what did he. All he said was that his little birds had found something, right? Yeah,
0: basically. Mm. Okay. We, again, it's purposely vague. We're not supposed to know. It's the second thing in this episode that a secret that even we don't know, which I don't like when they
1: do that. It just—it's yeah. like I always kind funny. of interpreted the little birds as being like spying on people primarily because they're just little kids that nobody pays attention to. Yeah,
0: but that means they also run around in places that they're. Yeah, nice they probably to. could
1: get like go climbing through all those the vaults that Tyrion went through when he escaped and stuff like that. There's, yeah.
0: Alright, anything else you want to mention about uh, the King's Landing stuff before we move on? No, that's good. Okay, so we get to River Run. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff happened at River Run. Um, Brienne and Pod arrive at the besieged castle uh, and ask to speak to Jamie. Uh, then we are treated to an amazingly fun scene between Pod and Bronn. So much <laughs> fun. Uh, not, it's not my favorite scene this week, but if the Jamie scene from later didn't exist, it would have been. Just for pure, just how much fun it was. Right. Um like older brother, younger brother Kamos dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Um Braun, you know, being the blunt one asking if Jamie and Brienne are getting it on in the tent, you know. Um, you know <laughs> I you know, they probably would like to between, you know, Bron and Jane or Jamie and uh, uh Brienne. I think
1: Brienne would at least.
0: I think both I I think there's there, a... there, Jamie kinda
1: has conflict there, but he, he yeah. loves Cersei, that's the only person yeah. he wants to be with.
0: Um and we'll get to that in a bit, but just, and then like the teaching him how to fight you know and like the like the classic brawn thing of like misdirection and then just punching you in the face <laughs> um, I love the lines like just assume everyone wants to punch you because they probably do uh, so great scene love that and uh, then we get another another really good scene just a lot of really good stuff with Nikolai Castrowaldo uh, in this week's episode. <laughs> And so we see Bran and Jamie are reunited. Yeah, have, they haven't they haven't seen each other since the beginning of last season, or the end of the season before. I don't remember like the exact that, timeline. Yeah. But um, and it's all business basically this, for this scene. And uh, she tries to convince Jamie to let the Blackfish leave with all of his uh, Tully forces to go help Sansa in the Winter in Winterfell. Um, and then Jamie gets a great line about saying, "Have you met the Blackfish? He's even more stubborn than you are." Um, then Brienne tries to give her sword back. Uh, the sword that Jamie had given her oath keeper, the Valyrian steel sword. Mm-hmm. And no, then this is where we get the little bit of tender, more, more, more tender moment between them. Right. He's like, no, he says, no, you keep it. It's your sword. It's all, it'll always be your sword. Um, then there's that one last, right. As they're leaving the tent, there's that one last moment of like, it's, it's hard to pick up like what's the what the actual emotion there is. Is it just a mutual like a an intense
1: mutual respect or? Like, I think you know, it's one of those things. Like, <clears throat> it's so easy to look at Jamie as just the Kingslayer, but both of these characters are people who do respect uh, honor and chivalry at, at uh, duty. Right. So Brienne will be duty bound to fight Jamie if it comes to that, and he understands and respects that. That's mm-hmm. what I take away from that.
0: And at the same time, it, even as much as Jamie does. It, have that that similar uh like duty honor you know he's willing to 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 defy all those things if it means getting what he wants really well he is i mean i think i think
1: the way he looked the way he would justify it and this pertains to the scene that's coming up later but he is honor bound by his duty to his family first so any oaths Above taken all, outside of that count for less okay and we'll get
0: to that I guess that's a really good scene um, I mean I just like this see. time Brienne and Jamie are really great pair so I, I like that scene a lot uh, a lot of good feels in it then Brienne goes to meet the Blackfish, who unsurprisingly does not agree <laughs> to the terms of just leaving the castle everything's fine just march north although I think in retrospect if he knew what was going to happen you probably would have do you think I doubt it. You don't think if knowing how things were going to play out that they, his men quote unquote, his men were going to just uh, give up that he wouldn't have taken the opportunity. If he knew he was going to lose the castle anyway, because that's what he was. He was, well, I mean, he had the
1: opportunity later to leave and he chose not to anyways. Yeah, but he didn't have, this was his final, this was his last stand. He was staying there no matter what.
0: I don't know. I I got the impression that he might've reconsidered if, I mean, hindsight being 2020, right? Um, and uh yeah so then comes the the scene that everyone's been talking about it's like mm-hmm. and like following the episode everyone's like wow what a what an amazing scene um between jamie and edmer and edmer uh tully hasn't had a chance to even speak this season but um he sure does a pretty great job with his first chance um from the moment it started with jamie walking into the tent with edmer uh tied to the post you knew would be good um the juxtaposition of seeing almost uh, a replica of the same situation that Jamie was when, uh, when Edinburgh's sister Catelyn had him um, in a similar scene in season, was it season two or season three? Two. Um, it's like almost shot for shot, like the same perspective. Um, except this time it's Jamie walking into the tent instead of Catelyn. And they even reference um, the, uh, that, that moment in this, in this scene as mm. well um and you know of course i'm like i'm like this this conversation just so deep on multiple levels and it's great to see again Nikolai castor waldo kicking ass he's been great
1: pastor waldo
0: what do you think I, what do i keep saying
1: <laughs> like waldo for Kastor some reason Wald,
0: it's al it's a u is the end wow yeah. oh well, ooh, i don't know whatever <laughs> um and uh, tobias menzies uh who mm-hmm. plays um plays edmure. edmure is is also amazing they're they're on that show outlander are they both on outlander
1: I don't know if they both are, but Tobias Menzies is one of the main characters on Outlander. Yeah.
0: I don't watch it, but I... Hear Neither me. have I, but... My mom says it's good, so I don't know. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> um, is it also on HBO?
1: It's uh, Showtime, I believe. Okay.
0: Um, it, Nick, again, and Nikolai kastor Uh <sighs> I'm going to say it like that from the from now on.
1: I, know, I can't see why you would, but...
0: <laughs> Seems to, like be the master of these kinds of scenes right just think back to the again the the one with Catelyn, and we talked about season Mm -hmm. two uh the one with brienne in the hot tub um in season three i want to say um and i'm sure there's others like i'm that i'm that i'm missing but like he's just really good and like in two-hander by the way whatever i know you don't like that term but those are then those tend to be what make game of thrones so amazing is these these one-on-one conversations um it's also probably the most emotionally complex and honest conver- like conversations you've ever actually had on this on in the show. That usually people are have hiding something or, or 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 playing an agenda. I mean there mm-hmm. there's an agenda here, but they seem to be pretty honest with each other, uh, which is kind
1: of uh different, I guess, for for the show. What do you make of this scene? I don't I, again, this is why Jamie to me is one of the more interesting but like complicated characters is that I don't think that is I, I don't think that is abnormal for him. I think, for the most part, he is pretty straightforward and almost honorable. In ha- not, I guess that's the wrong way to put it, but uh, he he kind of cuts through all the bullshit, you know. Yeah, I. Like he doesn't play these games. He 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 he, he recognizes it. He can see the the board, and he just doesn't have any interest in in you know, subterfuge and secrecy and stuff.
0: But he's willing to if he ha-
1: if it if it means getting what he wants, though, right? But even then that's that's more so Tyrion, Cersei and Tywin. That's not Jamie. I I'm left with a feeling that
0: if Cersei wasn't in the picture, if she died prematurely, right? Um, where that would leave him, because he's so dedicated to her. We're almost we've he's almost regressed in a lot in a lot of ways to how he was in season one and two. Mm-hmm. Um I think someone he even mentions the um uh like the famous line he has when he pushes Bran out of the out the window.
1: Yeah, that's from season one, episode right, one. And he says it again. The things we do clear. for love. Right.
0: And um, so as much as we've seen him grow, you can just tell that Cersei is such a terrible influence on him, right? Mm-hmm. And that we've seen him do good things that if she wasn't around, if she wasn't an influence on his life anymore, you'd imagine that he would be almost a completely different person. Um, Definitely. His, his actions would be completely different. Which is interesting to think that if Cersei does meet an untimely end uh, this season, where that would leave him, because he keeps talking about like I need to get back to her, I need to get back to her, right? You can't help but imagine that he's gonna he's gonna head back now that the siege is over, and it'll be you'll be too late, right, to mm-hmm. have saved her. Um, and maybe he'll go on some mission of, of vengeance of some kind. I don't know. Um... I don't know it's just it's just such a great it's such a great scene I guess I the like question about uh, I, I wondered I don't know if you have any perspective on this is he seems to use uh, Edmer's wife and child that not only we not know about that he didn't know about
1: um, he knew about them is it unborn child or no, is it no oh, yeah yeah she's pregnant or no maybe she must have just given birth or something like that
0: because the,
1: the child was conceived at the Red Wedding
0: right so it's either just she's during just the Red birth, Wedding actually
1: right.
0: <laughs> right so during or whatever we don't know but uh, we don't know if it's if she's pregnant or has the baby. I don't remember what they say. But either way, are we supposed to believe that Edmer has some sort of super strong connection to this new wife of his that he's barely met? Well, I mean,
1: eh, eh, well, he, he did... Like the girl, he met her that at the red wedding or whatever, or whatever. Right. But he still liked her well enough, and it's still his kid. <laughs> you can't yeah, just because he never again, met I, the kid. I, well, he mean, didn't knew exi- he didn't know existed enough it doesn't to matter like, to sacrifice to to. Uh, yeah, but with He's those, also with lost the one you barely the, know, he doesn't have any other family. Th- those things have to be important to him. I guess, but enough to sacrifice
0: everything there. Like he basically sat like what happens to him now is I wonder because he. You know skipping ahead a little bit, he he does surrender the castle to the Lannisters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the that... phrase, right? So, what does that mean? Does he go back into captivity?
1: Because, like, probably, the... but he'll probably be treated a bit better. he probably get to see his wife and child, and they'll be kept like when uh, high lords and ladies are kept in captivity, they're you know, they don't lack for comfort.
0: I mean, he's not going back to like prison he wasn't being self. treated that well. The
1: phrase, well, that, that's why Jamie at the beginning of that 10 scene apologized. He said, You shouldn't have been treated this way. Your birth gives you that, right?
0: I, again i mean I, I i get that i just i seems to me like a
1: also he doesn't really have too many other options
0: i mean so he says he talks about his family being important to him right and they both talk about that right that their family's the most important yeah. thing they have right he gets mad when he references C- uh catelyn right his sister that was murdered oh, um yeah. his his it's his uncle the blackfish right um that's like his only remaining like relative at that point, almost, right? Does he have anyone left? Yeah, pretty much. I mean,
1: Sansa is his niece. Sansa, are Arya. any Tullys left? No, probably not.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I guess it, I, it, of, it, yeah. it does make a little bit of sense. I guess I would, I would be he. That's what it seems to get him willing to uh, to be swayed there. I guess is that was when he brought that stuff up, saying, "Hey, and you know, I would kill your kid." You know, he mentions throwing him up against a like putting him on a catapult and throwing him into the castle right mm-hmm. um like he's willing he i guess edmer can see that he's willing to do literally anything like he's kind of crazy and he's like well he's put between a rock and a hard place you know either they murder my wife and child um or they murder uh i mean it's not clear what happens with the the tully forces what happens to, like are they going to be
1: also- they were like, oh. They had to they had to give up their arms. That was the, they were all piling their swords and yeah. those piles whatever. They had to give up their arms and armor, and they they were, just, they were allowed to leave though with their lives.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's fair then. I guess. I guess.
1: The blackfish wouldn't have been allowed. To. No, no.
0: So, um, like I said, we'll just we'll just cover the rest of that. So they yeah, he gets. It's so annoying because you know, like as a show watcher, you want you want to take the side of the blackfish because you like him so much, right? So he has. You have Edmure walk up and basically, like perform the simplest action, It'd just say open the door, and he's like, I have to open the door, and it's like these stubbornly loyal soldiers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean, so he has, he helps Brienne and Pod um, escape off through the river, uh, and then we get this scene where he says, you know, it's a nice kind of finale. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a good sword fight for years, um, and he said he will probably make a damn fool of himself, and then leaves. Problem being. This awesome character that we everyone likes dies off screen. Uh, again, another one. Uh, I don't. I don't really like that. Uh, Would have been cool to see a sword fight. We haven't seen one since episode three <laughs> this season. Uh, the way that they they, they kind of told us, so like Jamie standing at twilight on the battlements. Um, he has a soldier come up and tell him that he died in combat, which is kind of what he wanted, right? Um, is is cool on. In and of itself, but I don't think would be to have been as cool as seeing him perish in a soul no, fight. Sure. Plus, the cool capes. There's nothing about capes at Twilight that just do. Uh, <laughs> that
1: do it for I don't. know. It's one of those things. I guess I'm softening on this now, but you're kind of trained to believe that if the character dies off screen, like it, it, it's something's hidden from you. You know. 'Cause otherwise why not show it? Right, I like that's what things. happened with the hound. Like we all kind of book readers kind of assumed he was coming back just based on other like again, all theories and now he is back because he died off screen so they left that open for that to
0: I guess I would say Stannis died off screen. I know. And he's And that's why all sure.
1: this this like the beginning of the season and and last year when we were doing this, I was like, he's not dead. He's not dead.
0: Right. So do you think that even though this soldier Clearly, Atlantis is... Yes, a no, movie no. Movie I, says, I, I have, yeah.
1: like I said, I'm softened on it because I'm pretty sure this is just, yeah, it's just simpler to do it this way.
0: Saves you money, so you can put a it lot of this
1: stuff. List. Though, like for me, is is like meta because we know how the show, like next season is only seven episodes or whatever. How they're really if that's speeding true things if you're along. Saying
0: that I don't know if that's true. I, mean, I haven't
1: really actually. I I saw a link to an article or whatever, and that's what I got away from. Anyway, but like we know that they've been talking about that. So either way, they're talking about speeding things along. So like I just this is uh, another. Uh, arguably minor story point in the grand scheme of things, and it's just, yeah, kill him, move I, along.
0: I guess, I mean, I'll just, just super quick, Mark uh, on Twitter, at Smokey01UK, had asks, do you think the blackfish is actually dead? Seems shady, it happened off screen. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not the only ones who have that, uh, that, that feeling, if a character, and this is something you've been trained through um, your entire life, basically, watching television, if a character doesn't die on screen, you can't know for sure that they're dead. Um, so, I mean, there's no way for us to know for sure, for sure, until someone in like, um, at HBO confirms it, which they probably already have. Uh, I haven't, I didn't look that up, but I'm just, it's, I think this is a Stannis situation. He's dead. He wasn't even ever a huge character, you know? Um, but everyone liked him, which is why it's kind of sexy that he died off screen. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that same scene, Brienne and, uh, Jamie sees Brienne and Pod escaping on the, on the river and, uh, Gives him a wave, nice little wave goodbye. Doesn't tell anyone, lets him go. Nice little gesture there, I guess. Um, I it's, I was and not to pick too many nits, but I felt it was like it's pretty dark. I've like, what are the chances? Like, first of all, how did she know it was it was him on the on the tower? How did she know to look back? How could he tell it was them? You know, <laughs> one of those kind of situations. But I mean, I'm not at the same time I'm, I'm willing to just accept it. You know, it's TV magic. All right, anything else you want to mention about what happened at uh, River Run? There was lots there, right? There was a lot there. I
1: don't know. I loved everything that happened at River Run. But so, that, uh, I think we covered it all pretty well. Yeah.
0: I mean, we normally pick our favorite scene at the end, but can we just. I think it's right pretty clear here, yeah. That the Jamie and Edmer scene was clearly the best scene this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, we're in Marine, and this will this will wrap us up here. Uh, Varys is leaving on a secret mission. Another secret we don't know about. <laughs> Like they know this is new to me. We are just <laughs> go to them and hey, uh, he's leaving. What do you think this secret mission is?
1: If you have to, I probably shouldn't really talk about it. Oh, uh, you, okay. You, well, no, because again, this is this is all very different than what happens in the books. But there is stuff that happens in the books that you know. That could. Co- he's okay. just gonna go create chaos. I don't know what else he can. What else he's good at.
0: Right. So he's in. But he's going back to Westeros. They said, right? Is that?
1: Did they meant? Did they confirm I think that?
0: He says they. We need fr- We need allies in Westeros. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So that's where he's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, We'll see. We get another kind of nice touching goodbye. You get the impression that this might be the last time they ever see each other, which is kind of sad.
1: It's also, I mean, not that I don't enjoy this, but I don't know why we needed a touching goodbye between like Tyrion and Varys, their little romance there, you know, that like sad music kicks in. It's it's not the same as like...
0: I think it's one of those like, yeah, it's a bromance. Like these are two people that grew to
1: become friends and uh, no, i don't think either one of them would think about it that way and uh, having I think, I this think weird like emotional connection that kind of takes away we, from it
0: i think if they're being honest with themselves they would consider each other friends i i that's what i if they were being if they were to sit down and search their feelings jedi style that they would they're friends right and so they're mm-hmm. saying goodbye and seems and then yes that kind of line the most famous you know uh, imp in the world which is kind of kind of fun And uh, then we get another fun scene uh, with Tyrion, Missendei and Grey Worm. Yeah, a lot of laughs this week. Man, sitting around (laughs) telling jokes. And for the record, I thought Masende's joke was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's kind of a dad joke, right? Uh, But I'm a big fan of those. Uh, And I also love Grey Worm trolling them basically the whole time. He's like, Give me a break. I've been in the army my entire life. You think I've never heard a joke before? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, and then, uh, actually, a buddy of mine, Cliff, friend of the show, pointed out last night, I was out uh, having a quick a couple couple bevvies. He mentioned that Tyrion was about to tell the same joke he was about to tell before uh, the trial by combat at uh, the Eyrie, in, way back in season one. Or, oh, yeah? Yeah, season one or season? Yeah, season one. And he was cut off then. He was cut off again now. <laughs> That's a nice it touch. touch. It's kind of funny. I didn't pick up on that, but, uh, you know, good eye there, or good ear, Cliff. And, uh, so the slavers apparently have come back. They, they you know, proving Grey Worm and Masende right, that you can't trust them. Uh, they've come with this massive fleet of ships to... Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, it's wrecked the city, I guess. Uh... <sighs> and and then uh danny comes flying on in a dragon doesn't say anything but she looks disappointed you know in them i don't and know bad. The... she just has a look of
1: conviction she's just yeah. back and gonna take over
0: and then you have you see the dragon flying away in the distance I, it seems strange i mean i get that they, the reason they did it is because you need to understand that that's how she got there mm. <laughs> but um you think you want to hold on to that considering uh the ships and the a dragon can Yeah,
1: take I'm, out I'm sure Jogan probably will take out the ships. So I don't think he needs Danny to be riding him to do it. Okay, well, that, it I that like that's, to where us, where was that's going. what's going to happen. That or Theon and them arrive with their ships and turn the tide of the battle.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking that might be that might be interesting. Um, a way to play it, so you have <clears> them kind of that way. They're indebted to them in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. And that way, okay, well, you need the ships. We broke down these other ones, but we got ours. You know, let's partner up. So that might be interesting. Uh, I mean, we basically kind of talked about what we think is going to happen. Here. Not much actually happens, really. We see some cool shots of the pyramid getting pelted with uh, trebuchets from ships, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing. Tre- ship trebuchets is a, it is interesting. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but other than that, uh, not a lot. Not a lot to discuss here. So know, you know, it's just
1: another scene of Daenerys looking triumphant without actually doing anything.
0: <laughs> Although she hasn't triumphed over anything yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> any overall thoughts on uh, how it all goes? I think yeah, the episode's pretty busy overall. Lots, of, lots happened.
1: It was, it, was a, it was a decent episode. I'm just kind of miffed that there's still no brands What, like two or three episodes in a row? And that's all get... I care about is brand.
0: Do you think we're going to get some next week? <laughs> we have to. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Maybe not, though, because we got the whole winterfell situation happening. i'm hoping as much as i'm interested in what's happening at the north like in the battle of bastards i'm hoping it's not like the Blackwater that the entire and the the wall episode where the entire episode is spent there you know although
0: yeah maybe, i mean i want to jump to around a
1: there's so much that there's so many loose ends right now that even if they're not gonna be resolved Do you really by want the end them of the season like cutting away from a
0: massive battle scene we get them so rarely on the show
1: i think it i think it works to cut away from a massive battle scene that just helps prolong that makes it seem like a larger battle you know I guess, but... I, that's, like, that's like time passing.
0: If you can do it well, I'm fine with them sticking with it the whole way. If it's... If it's anything like the, what happened with Stannis last year, um, uh-huh. then, you know, obviously we don't need to see the whole thing, right? I thought <laughs> uh, this episode, like, back to this episode, I'd say that uh, I thought it was pretty fun overall. Uh, just kind of like a, a jaunty ride, kind of. It wasn't a lot of... There was a few you know emotional beats definitely like we talked about with jamie and the blackfish yeah. and stuff but the rest of it was kind of it was kind of just fun kind of, felt more like season two season three-esque with how much plot like there how many different plots they're touching on mm-hmm. uh because they i feel like this season they've been more willing to just kind of sit back and let you know few plot lines play out per, per episode instead of trying to jam everything in you know other than that i I liked it you know nothing no, yeah no major liked it well complaints. enough
1: Not, nothing to write home about though um, I'm just kind of excited for next week at this point. I feel like we keep saying that, like every we, this this episode was good, but I'm just excited for next week and like. Yeah, I, how long can you do that for? Well, I don't, it, next week promises we, uh, to be much more exciting than this. At the
0: same time, I feel like we've had some be like we have excited for next week, and then it paid off, mm-hmm. and then it well, we makes and then it makes us still excited. I feel like that's that's credit to the show. It can lead us up to something. Pay it off and then say, okay, but there's still more coming. And Mm -hmm. be excited for that too, you know? All right. Well, on that note, I think we can wrap it up unless you have any other thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's cool. All right. So make sure to send us any comments, questions, concerns, any of that good stuff to our uh, website. You can go to our website, TowerOfBabblePodcast.com. That'll have all the links to our social media, at TowerOfBabbleCast on Twitter, Facebook.com slash on Facebook, of course, Uh, our Gmail Tower of Babel podcast at gmail So, um, we love hearing from you guys. So uh, we can't wait till uh, next week because it should be a good one. Um, and that's only two left. So, we're uh, it's a It's not much left, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things where like it sucks, but it's almost kind of like a relief. You know, it's a lot of work, and you're like, <laughs> as much as fun as much as fun as it is, you're like okay, well now I don't have to worry about a podcast every Monday. <laughs> you know, I guess. Uh, I don't... But you know, two weeks left, and it's like, are they? They're not doing the break. Uh, between nine and ten, are they
1: like they used to a couple seasons ago? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really. I haven't looked it up. I want to say no. I, I want to say not. that they're not doing that. I think they've done that in the past, but it was there was some sort of holiday in the states now, and, and that they didn't do this season at mm. the president's day or I don't know what happens yeah. in the states. It's,
0: and uh, yeah, because it started the season started later this year. Mm. And uh, and well, jumping ahead a little bit further, so episode ten it's supposed to be the longest episode of Game of Thrones yet. We're probably yeah. only a couple more minutes, but. No, I think it's
1: like 64 minutes or something like that. It's not like a crazy amount, but...
0: Yeah, but what's what's this typical episode like? Around
1: 57.
0: So you're talking like a good extra chunk there. One more scene, you know? All right, well, on that note, I think we'll see you guys all next week. See you. This week's Game of Thrones theme is a Symbolem cover, and it's produced by Kaboom Percussion on YouTube.